Good morning. I have some things that I will want to say by way of gratitude and so forth later on, but since uh, we're going to, I guess I have till what, 5, 10 after 10? 10 15. If, if I look like I'm going over, you're the man that's going to give me this. Okay? And then I'll know that, that then I'll just preach another 10 minutes. No. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to help guide you in a study of God's Word. And I want you to turn, if you will, to the book of Psalms. And we're going to be looking at the 103rd Psalm in just a moment. But as you're turning to that, uh, the PowerPoint slide, I will not be using PowerPoint uh, throughout the meeting. It's not that I can't. It's not that I won't. It's just that I want to just be able to get up and preach and not have to worry about anything else but just to preach. And so I'm not going to be tied to that. But the interesting thing that I do want to notice by way of introduction for the whole meeting is this. In Ephesians, the second chapter, and I'll be reading from the King James translation, Paul writes to the brethren at Ephesus, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. So I want to stop there just very quickly and mention, Paul is describing you and me before we heard the gospel. He is describing where we were before we were introduced to and accepted the principles and truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ and put Christ on in baptism. And I don't think we think enough about where we've come from that by God's grace and mercy where we are now. And so the, the interesting phrase in verse 4, two words, but God. And when you think about those, if you ever want to do a really sobering, enlightening study, go through the Bible and see how often you see that phrase or one similar, but God or with God. And it will it'll put you down on your knees. And you will say, what an awesome God we serve. And so Paul says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. And we could read more of that chapter, but we'll read more of that as we proceed along. I want to look at Psalm 103. If we are entitled or if it is acceptable for us to have a favorite book or favorite passage of Scripture, Psalm 103 would be one of my favorite passages of Scripture. 
And the reason that is so is this. The book of Psalms is one of the truly majestic pieces of biblical literature. It is comprised of some 150 songs that were revealed to us and inspired by the Spirit of God. Some of those psalms celebrate the history of, of Israel. Some of those psalms talk about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Some of those psalms deal with uh, the punishment and the promise of punishment by God for those who chose to become the enemies of Jehovah. And yet other psalms simply lift up a chorus of praise to our Creator. I believe Psalm 103 could safely be be described and has been described by Bible students along the way as the Mount Everest of the Psalms. Because in this passage of Scripture, we find that David is just overwhelmed. I don't know what preceded, I have my ideas of what preceded the writing of this particular Psalm, but this Psalm is like all of, a, all of a sudden, he is, it is crystal clear in his mind just what God has done for him. And I'm not sure we take the time to do that as often as we should. We live in a busy world. There's, there's noise <laughs> all around us. Social media just can be overwhelming. And, and so I, I don't think we take enough time to just meditate and to reflect and to be quiet and to be still and just think about our God and what he has done, what he is doing, and what he promises to do. And it will be such that when we do that, I believe we'll be like David. When he said in verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's reading from the New King James translation. But I think what we see in this, just in the intro to this wonderful passage of Scripture, David does not make any complaints. He doesn't complain about anything in Psalm 103. Secondly, David doesn't ask for anything. You know what he does? He thanks God for who he is, for what he provides, and his characteristics. Five benefits he talks about in the early portion of the chapter, and then he gets right into the attributes of God. It's like, a, it's like a perfect outline just set right there in the text if you want to be open and receive it. So I invite you to look with me from the mountaintop of Psalm 103 and look out over the scape of what God has and is doing for each and every one of us. It's a great time, this time. We can sit together reflect and study on who our God is and what he does for us. And we come to an understanding that with those blessings, it has always been the case. There are corresponding responsibilities.
You cannot find an exception to that statement in the Bible. With every blessing, there is a corresponding responsibility. So I want to read, beginning with Psalm 103, and, and we'll pick up our reading with, uh, in fact, I'm just going to go ahead and back up and read verses 1 and 2 to keep it in. And I want to read down through verse 18. It would be wonderful if we could delve into the entire 22 verses of this chapter, but time will not permit us to do that, and actually thought won't provide us, allow us to do that in, in one setting. But listen carefully. Reading from the New King James. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And here, then he describes them. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things. We could stop right there and could preach days on just those first five verses. But I've committed myself to sharing with you the first 18 verses. So time is not going to permit me to spend a lot of time on any one verse. But collectively, if we will wrap our hands around the principle that David comes to the full awareness of just how good and loving and caring and providing God is. And I think we need to realize, and I will set this kind of at the very outset of this portion of our study, and that is we have a tendency to forget. Now, I don't know how, I don't know how you are. I'm 71 years old. Uh, I've been through a lot of things in, in my young life. Um, and I see that the older I get, the more it, I have to think hard about things to get things. And I forget names. Just like I, half of you that I met this morning, I'll have to not reintroduce myself. I'll just lean over to Larry and Debbie and say, now who is such and such? And help me, and then I'll, I'll make a little connection, and then I... I'll have it. But don't we forget sometimes? Husbands forget to tell wives. Wives forget to tell their husbands how much they love them. Thanks for the good meal, honey. Thanks for working. Thanks for providing for us. Our kids sometimes forget to thank us. We'd like for them to do better about that. Our grandkids, well, if they don't, if they don't thank us, that's okay because they're grandkids, and we can let them by with that. So David says in this passage of Scripture, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So he's saying to himself, David, don't forget to remember. And if David who was described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart, had a problem with remembering. How much more do we have a problem of remembering? And the more grateful and the more appreciative we are for who God is and what he does, we will find comfort in these words. We find the character and the attributes of God presented in Psalm 103 
very concisely and we read more of our true dependence upon Jehovah more clearly by looking at this psalm. There's another reason why this psalm is a favorite psalm of mine, if I may share it with you. It was my mother's favorite psalm. And in every Bible I ever saw of hers, Psalm 103 was marked up. It was marked up. She made notations. She made notes. She put expressions down. She put other passages, referrals from it. It meant the world to her, and it was, in fact, one of the passages that was read at her funeral because it was so meaningful. We're to be fully aware, even though we didn't live in the time or the dispensation that David lived, that we serve the same God. He doesn't change. Malachi, the third chapter, verse 6 points out the fact that I am God. I, I don't change. I change not. We change. Sometimes we change with the weather. If it's rainy and cloudy, we're not in a good mood. If it's sunny, sunny and bright and, and just right in the fall, we're happy and chirpy and cheerful. But God never changes. He's unaffected by the world and by how often people deny him, curse him, misuse his name, mistreat his book, put to death his son, those who are Christians who sometimes turn away from him and, and turn away from all he has done and allow the world to entice them and seduce them and lead them back. And yet he loves us. And yet he cares about us. And yet he provides for us every single day, regardless of who it might be. I don't care if you're a person who is uh, in mourning now over guilt of your own sin. Or whether you might be one who has personal sorrows that you're bearing, you're carrying around. I, I, it can be any of those situations. All of us can find great comfort from these words. Uh, just an interesting point in passing. There are, there are significant words that appear with frequency in the Old Testament. And a study is real interesting of those words. One of those words is remember. Now, if the Lord, he, who we read in this passage, he made us, he understands our frame, he understands what we're made of, if he says through his prophets and through his leaders and teachers and then through the apostles, remember then we better sit up and take notice. We better remember. We better remember not to forget. It's, for instance, in the book of Deuteronomy, 14 times. 14 times Moses says to the people, admonish the people, remember the Lord and what he had done for them. Nine times Moses admonished the people. He cautioned the people not to forget. We... Let me just make this point of passing. Just, and I don't, I know some of you, some of you I don't know and I'm really looking forward to getting to know. Some of us, we're already connecting. We, we have common friends. Don't, don't ever settle. Don't ever settle for a life lived less than the great life that God has designed and intended for each of us to live. 
don't let the world make you compromise or help you compromise or in any way back off from that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, Matthew 6 and 33. And that's what we have to do. In fact, it's not a matter of have to do. It's a matter of want to do. And we want to because we, we are thankful to God for what he has done, who he is and his mindfulness of us, the providential care he has demonstrated in our lives, and the love he shows always. So just a couple of side points in, in, in passing. Those were actually freebies. Those were just sidelines, okay? Now we're going to get to the heart of Psalm 103, and I want you to follow along. We're going to have to move along at a pretty fast clip. Uh, the second sermon I'm going to preach this morning is not going to be from Psalm 103, and nobody has told me anything about a time restriction. So the second sermon, I might can make up for what I don't get out of the first sermon. Just saying. Okay, just throw that. Don't you dare leave. Don't you dare start fainting sickness. Okay? We're, we're, we're all in this together. So, look what he says, first of all, in verse 3. Again, reading from the New King James translation. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who forgives all your iniquities. When you read passages like Psalm 32 or Psalm 51, you learn that David knew something about the forgiveness of God. Let me just ask you to turn very quickly, if you will, over to the 51st Psalm. And we'll just notice the first, the first couple of verses. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Why? For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Lord, I need your forgiveness. I see the sin in my life. I know what I think about in my heart. I know the things I have spoken with my mouth. I know the deeds I have done in my life. And I need to be forgiven. That's what David recognized. And I think all of the good people of God always understand that. They always understand that. And it, it is that understanding that propels them, that motivates them, and that moves them in the direction of growing and maturing in Christ because God has, God who sees everything, sees in that person the desire to please him. Now, don't let go of that thought. Only the Lord can forgive us of our sins, and we must always remember the certainty of the consequences for unforgiveness sins. The wages of sin is death, Paul says in Romans 6.23. In Romans 3.23, he says, We have all sinned and come short or fallen short of the glory of God. Other passages that, that we could reference, but it is enough for us to understand our God who made us 
who fashioned us, who, who created us. He understands our nature. He understands our hearts. He understands our lives. And let me just make another point in passing. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions in four days, in four lessons. So here's one of them. Okay? Are you perfect? Is there anybody here who's perfect? Oh, I'd like to see your hand raise up if you think you are. Because you know what? When this lesson's over with, if not after this lesson, after the second lesson, we're going to go over one of these side rooms. And we're going to sit down and talk about the sin of lying. None of us are perfect. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He understands our frame. Now, being human is not an excuse to sin. Okay? But what I must understand is, even though God understands my nature, He understands what's in my heart, He understands what makes me tick and what makes me go and move, He does expect me to strive for perfection. You see, today I need to be better than I was yesterday. You can't go with status quo. And every day the Lord blesses you with another day. When you get up in the morning and you give thanks for the morning and the new day, ask the Lord to help you use the new day wisely. So he forgives our iniquities. He heals our diseases. Now, this is kind of an interesting phrase that is used in Psalm 103 and, and verse 3. You know, there are physical diseases there are mental and emotional diseases and there are issues in life that could be categorized as disease and what we need to understand is that God is not promising David nor is he promised us some kind of a miracle he doesn't even guarantee we're going to have good health but what he does guarantee is he will be with us and help us deal with whatever the disease might be that we are confronted with in our lives. Let me just give you, for instance, what about fear? What about doubt? You ever deal with doubt? What about depression? We're hearing a whole lot about depression in our culture, in our society right now. What about anger? What about lust? What about jealousy? What about greed? What about envy? Those are all things we have to contend with. And God is, let's not misunderstand, God is able. God has the power to heal every disease. But he's not obligated to heal every disease. Did you get that? We need to wrap our hands around that and hold on to it. Uh, too often we allow the wounds of this world to put us in a place in life where we miss out on the joy of living. We allow the wounds of this life and the hurts and the disappointments and the heartaches we, we, almost, uh, we almost allow them to become uh, a dictator. 
And they dictate for us the rest of our lives the way we live. Now, how do I know that? Ladies and gentlemen, I've been there. I've experienced it. And I don't want to ever go there again. It is a place in life that I do not want to be. Life is too short for us to be miserable. Life is intended to be lived joyfully, but respectfully, reverently, and holy. That is what God expects of us. We must never, ever, ever forget the assurance of God's providence in our lives. I look back over my life and I can see things now that I didn't understand back when I was experiencing it. But I see God's hand in it. And if you'll think about that, you'll see that in your life too. God isn't just sitting back with his arms folded and just watching and waiting. He's involved. He's active. And he's a hands-on God. And I'm not, I'm not talking about where he controls us or manipulates us like a puppeteer with a puppet. But I'm talking about the fact that God sits on his throne. And he is ruling. So am I worried about who's in the White House? Kind of, sort of. Am I worried about all the dissension and all the division and all the anger and all the things that are going on in this world, in this country, and around the world? I'm concerned. But you know what? I can just give it to the Lord. Because he knows what's going on. And his will will prevail. Is it prevailing in your life? Second question. Is it ruling in your life? Is he truly the Lord of your life? Interesting then, he says in verse 4, Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Where would any of us be without the mercy of God? I mean, think about that for just a minute. Where would any of us be without the mercy of God? That, that phrase crowns that he uses, with who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, that's indicative. Of, it's an interesting word. And it, it suggests and carries with it the meaning, uh, uh, the concept of bestowing abundantly. You place a crown on someone's head. Now, with the exception of Christ before the cross and the crown of thorns, which was in derision. If someone was the recipient of a crown, it was a compliment. It was a wonderful thing. It was a good occasion for them. And it was reflective of the good things that were being considered. It speaks in our case, of God's kindness and mindfulness of us. I don't know, I don't know about you. Uh, I think I do. I, I believe I already know about you by reason of the fact that this is where you are this morning. You care about what God thinks. You care about what God does. You care about what God thinks of his people. And you care about what God thinks of you. Don't ever let go of that. Don't ever, ever, ever let go of that. Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I am getting older. Hmm. Like it or not. 
I'm one day older today than I was yesterday, and so are you. And as the wise man in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 describes the or 11, the process in 12 of getting older, I'm experiencing those things. And so are some of you. And we understand that God, if you think about it, has always provided for us. He's always given us. And I believe that the older we get, if we are growing and we are maturing in Christ, okay, I've qualified that. If we're growing and if we are maturing in Christ, the more we have experienced that and the more we live, the more we come to more dependent upon the God of heaven. The song says, I need thee every hour. I need him every hour. Don't you? And so he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Like the eagles. Let me tell you something. Trust in God leads to strength in God. Strength in God leads to service in God. It's a three-step process, and it's a wonderful process that God has made that available to us. He says he gives to us every morsel that we need in life to eat and all that sustains our lives. It doesn't matter how old, how young you might be. It really doesn't matter. God can and will, he will satisfy your needs. Now, we've got a young couple over here that's fixing to tie the knot. Oh, I'd like to address a few things for y'all. But I don't know that I'm going to have time. But don't be surprised if I don't drop a nugget or two on you while I'm here. Okay? Because your lives are fixing to change. But they can change for the good. My wife and I have been married for 51 plus years. It will be 52 in December, Lord willing. And I have learned one thing I have learned how to say yes ma'am <laughs> boy that's headed off a lot of issues a lot of issues no she has been the best companion and the best helpmate and has stabilized me when I was really slipping down in health and she's brought me back I would recommend that if your wife is not a nurse, she learned how to be a nurse. Because <laughs> my wife has become one. Verse 6. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Let me tell you something. Our God is not a respecter of persons. And we all have access. All of us, every one of us have access to his benefits. But there's a requirement for that. We must fear God and keep his commandments to enjoy those benefits. When Peter came to the realization that the gospel of Jesus Christ was not going to be an exclusive uh, privilege for the Jewish people alone and that it was going to be extended and was being extended to the, the entire Gentile population, to every man on earth, 
He said in the house of Cornelius, of a truth I perceive God is no respecter of persons. We have to fear and serve him. That's what we have to do. That's how we need to live. He made known his ways very quickly to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel, whether it was by the cloud or whether it was the, the pillar of fire or whether it was through Moses' words or through the words of the prophets. He made his ways known. You do my will, you'll be benefited. You'll be rewarded. You disobey my will and you will be punished. No if ands about that. That is the way I am a just God, but I do have my limits. And so he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. And so we need to understand that that has all been preserved and he has made known. We have for us in this book all that God knows that we need travel on the road that leads to heaven when this life is over with. Let me, let me tell you, I don't care what, I don't, it doesn't matter what you do in life. If you're a successful in whatever endeavor, law enforcement, accounting, uh, General Motors, uh, whatever it is that you do in your life, if, if you're successful, that's wonderful. But if in the process of being successful in those earthly endeavors, you sacrifice the hope of heaven when this life is over with and you hear on the last day, I don't know you, ye that work in equity. You wasted your life. If you miss heaven, if we miss heaven when it's all over and we find out we're not going to make it there, we missed, we've missed all that really matters. I hope you're listening. You sure look like you're listening. And I hope you're applying. Because I'm telling you, we've got to stay focused on who we are. Jehovah wants each of us to understand that it is never enough just to know it's never enough to just know so much. It is something, it's a growing process. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why the church in some places is not growing as it should. And the members who comprise that congregation are the ones who are not growing and maturing in Christ as they ought to. They're not applying themselves. Don't be one of those. He says, the Lord is merciful in verse 8 and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in mercy. <laughs> I really wish I was more merciful. I wish that uh, I was more gracious. And I really pray that I'm slow to anger. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't have an anger issue. I won't tell you that there have been times in my life that I've talked to traffic. I may have and I may not have. But it's, it's something we have to contend with. What a wonderful blessing to know and experience that he is so long-suffering toward each of us. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. But his long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish. But 
but that all should have eternal life. Are you getting that? How good it would be if each of us would strive to be more like our God. Paul said, be ye imitators of me, even as I am of Christ. That's my, that's my, that's my job. How much more time do I have? Five minutes? Give or take? What's that? Okay. <laughs> okay, our God shows a patience that, I don't know about you, but I know about me. I know about Bill Fairchild. And I know that the Lord has really been patient with Bill Fairchild. Turn over to Acts 17 and look with me at verse 30 for just a minute. Acts 17 and 30, as Paul is preaching uh, on Morris Hill, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. The patience that God really shows is, is beyond not only our understanding and without which you and I would have absolutely no hope. No hope. But we do have hope because this is what God is. He is a God of patience. He is a God that's long-suffering. He is a God that's kind. He is a God that's loving, that he is caring. But he has he is also a God who is just. He's merciful. But he has expectations. And he does not. He has never expected more of us than we're able to do, be, or become. Never. So think about that. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Verse 9. Uh, let me tell you something. One day, there is going to be a day of judgment. There will be a day, and his patience and long-suffering that we just alluded to, they're going to come to an end one day. So I'm, I'm going to ask you another question. I told you. Don't, don't count them. This might not even worry about counting because there will be a lot of them. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm just going to do it right out of the sheet. Are you ready to meet the Lord? I mean, are you, are you really ready? If today were to be the last day you walked on this earth. If the Lord were to come today. Is there something that's missing? Something you need to change? Something you need to correct? You best be doing that. Because not of it, not of one of us has a guarantee we'll have another hour on this earth. Are you listening? Think about it. Apply it. We need to understand it. We need to make it part of our lives. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. He withholds from us the punishment we deserve. And he extends grace to us that we really don't deserve. Sometimes we're Sometimes we're short-handed. Sometimes we're a little stiff-handed about handing out grace. Not God. Mercy, long-suffering, kindness, and love. 
For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy, verse 11, toward those who fear him. I don't know how high it is. I don't know the distance between the earth and the heavens. I know what it's like when I'm flying on an airplane at 30,000 feet on a clear day and I can see the land down, way down below me. But then I can look out that window and look up and I see a lot of space up above me. So I don't know how you measure the expanse of that. But what David is saying to us is this. His, his long suffering, his mercy, his is so great that it is beyond our ability to really put a boundary on. That's how good and great and loving our God really is. He extends to the, us to those things. It's overwhelming to me to think that God is so interested in me that he sent his son to die for me. And that he is so interested in you that he sent his son to die for you. And those people driving by. And those people that live down the street or around the corner. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm saying to you, all mankind is need of the saving, of the saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we got it right here. God expects us to share it. Did you know, very quickly, it's not, my, it's not even in my outline, not even in my notes, but it's in my heart. Did you know that my mother, when we took her off life support, made the decision that she, her quality of life was just uh, deteriorating very rapidly. And my sister and brother, we made the decision to, with the doctor's advice, Turn off life support. Family came to see her. We were there. Whose son had not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. 19 years old. Fine young man. Do you know what I heard my mother do? While she was still conscious. While she was still lucid. She called him by name and she motioned. very weak voice she said you need to obey the gospel you know you do my mother was preaching until she lost her consciousness you say well that's, that's very touching that's very moving I, I, I wish I could be more like that well you know what you can if you want to be so, here's another question. Do you want to be? If you do, you can. Well, very quickly, and we'll wrap this, this lesson up. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Verse 12. How far is it from the east to the west? <laughs> That's like talking about the expanse of height. We don't know. It's beyond measure. And that's what he is saying to us here. It is beyond that. He completely forgives when we will comply with his will. Do we, another question, do we completely 
forgive, or is it like the old illustration of the husband and wife who had the argument and they made peace, but the wife took the axe and she buried it in the ground with the handle sticking out so if she ever needed to pull it out and beat him over the head with it, she could because she was still, she hadn't really forgiven him. You, you get that? Don't, don't be hiding those things. God knows what you're storing. And there's no room in your heart for that kind of stuff. Fill it with the good stuff. Fill your heart with the treasures of God's word. Well, finally. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Verse 13. Those who exercise their free will and who choose to obey his will become his children. And I will tell you right now that there is no greater family to be a part of than the family of God. Companies have offer, they offer benefits. And benefits are important. We've just talked about, just briefly, five benefits. And we talked about his attributes. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something right now. We got the best benefits package that has ever been put in place. We have it. It's ours. It's useful. And it's accessible. Some benefits and some benefits package, well, they're there. But it's kind of like, I don't we'll never read, never. It's just part of the package. Every benefit is useful. Every benefit is valuable. And every benefit is yours. Okay? He knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. Verse 14, he understands and he sympathizes with us. He made us. He knows us. He realizes our frailties. And yet he still loves us. And so I say to you in the words of the song, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved one like me. Yes or no? Think about it. Truly bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Let each of us, young and old, and everyone in between, daily take the time to recognize our dependence upon God. You've been a really good audience this morning, and I've probably gone over just a couple minutes, and I make no apology for that, because I came here to preach. And I'll have a little bit more to say about that in the next hour, but I'll tell you right now, if the rest of these services are going to be anything like they were this morning in your attention, you're going to wear me out. I didn't hear any amens. I don't need to hear amens. But you know, when people are attending, paying attention, I tell you what, it's like sick them to a dog. And you just want to crank it up that much more, so I'm going to crank it up a little bit more. All right? Thank you for your good attention this morning.